0: Spend less money. Save more money. Don't want to do those, but we need to do those. Spend more time with your family. Give more time for yourself, for reflection and recreation. You know, I could do a whole series on this stuff and make you all feel really terrible about yourselves if I just keep going, right? You know, and, and every once in a while you run into people, some of you already raised your hands, every once in a while you, you run into people that they'll say, I don't even drink coffee, I just wake up happy, you know? And if you're like me, you hate that person, right? Because... I get up and the, I, I go straight to the coffee maker, right? And it, it's what gets me going in the morning, you know. Here's the big discipline. Here's the hard one. You ready? Call your mom, right? Oh, you wish you could call your mom. All right. I understand. Uh, but sometimes, you know, okay, here's a story about calling my mom. Uh, this happened to me about six months ago. I was on the phone with my mom and we were talking about something and I had some sort of interruption and I said, "Uh, Mom, I'll call you back. We'll finish this conversation. And then I forgot to call her back. Have you ever done that? You know? And uh, about two weeks later... I said to Chris, you know, I haven't talked to my mom in a long time. I wonder why she hasn't called me. Because, you know, we she calls me whenever she wants to talk. I call her, whatever. You know, we, we talk frequently. And I realized it had been about two weeks, so I called her up. Hey, mom, what's going on? I haven't talked to you in forever. And she says, in her best sarcastic voice, well, you said you were going to call me back. I've been waiting. <laughs> two weeks. Bitter, angry. <laughs> and, and, uh, You know, these are just things that sometimes, and don't get me wrong, I love talking to my mom, but sometimes disciplines are things that you just don't want to do. But here's the cool thing about discipline. A lot of times in our lives, disciplines become habits, or they can become hobbies, or they can even become addictions. Do you know what I'm talking about? For example, runners. How many of you in the room are runners? Runners. Okay, a few of you really serious runners, how many of you would say you 're addicted to running I mean it's like, yeah, you love running, right? For most of us, normal people like me uh, running would be a discipline, that kind of that kind of exercise is not something that I love, but for some people, they start running probably because they think it's, it, it would be healthy for them, right? So they go out for a run, they run a half a mile, maybe a mile, and then they start doing it on a regular basis, and before you know it, it becomes something they love to do. It becomes something they can't imagine living their life without these habits or disciplines in their life. And so, discipline is incredibly valuable in our lives. Even if there are things we don't want to do, discipline is important. Here's a couple of things. If you're taking notes, you can jot these down. Here's a couple of things that I know to be true about discipline. Discipline results in progress, right? Those of you who are like me that took piano lessons when you were a kid, it started out with one hand, right? Right? And then after a few months, you started with two hands. And it was a really big deal when you could play piano with two hands. And before you know it, you've got the hands and the feet going. And, 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 and you know, you, you just make progress as you discipline yourself over time. Discipline results in freedom. This is another truth about discipline. This is especially true about money. If you spend less and you save more, you're going to get to the place where you have financial freedom. You don't have to worry about money. You can generally do what you want to do. If you discipline yourself financially over the long haul, it results in freedom. Here's another definition of discipline. It's not in your notes, but you can jot this down if you want to. Discipline is doing what you don't want to do now... So that you can do what you want to do later. Isn't that a good definition? Discipline is doing what you don't want to do now so you can do what you want to do later. It results in freedom. Here's one more simple definition. Discipline is delayed gratification. In other words, discipline doesn't always feel good right now. But at some point in the future, it can be very, very gratifying. And today we're talking about the private disciplines of the Christian life that will help our faith grow. If you're joining us for the first time or if you're back after being away for a while, what we're talking about in this message series is five things that God uses to grow our faith. And now you're not going to find these five things as a list in the Bible somewhere, uh, but these have been uh, accumulated by uh, by a pastor in Atlanta by the name of Andy Stanley. And over time, he has observed Christians, and they eventually did uh, a big study on this, that, that Christians generally, when they would tell their faith story, would tell the same sort of things. That that really helped them grow in their faith. And so they've developed these five things and and I'm, I'm sharing them with you because I think it's important for us to know how to leverage these things that help our faith grow. Here's what they are. If you're just joining us, I'll give you a quick review. The first one is practical teaching. And I talked about this three weeks ago, that uh, if we really want to grow in our faith, we've got to be continually exposed to teaching that helps us make practical changes in our lives. It helps our faith grow. The second one is providential relationships. This is when God brings somebody into your life that just changes the way you look at things and your faith is just catapulted into a place that it wasn't before. Today, we're going to be talking about these private disciplines, these things that we can do that help us grow in our faith. Then we'll be talking next week about personal ministry. The week after that, we'll talk about pivotal circumstances when something completely unexpected happens in your life and you find that as you trust God, your faith just grows exponentially. And what we see is that people's faith stories revolve around this list of five things, and there's probably other things that catapult us into spiritual growth, uh, but these five things are common to just about everyone who walks with Christ for any period of time. Now, whenever you hear somebody talk about their faith story, one of the things you will hear them talk about is when they learned the discipline of praying. And, and, And people will share with you That at some point in their Christian life, somebody helped them learn how to pray. The second thing that will often happen when people tell their their faith stories and how they they just exponentially began to grow was when they started to learn to give. This is another one of those uh, private disciplines, giving. And you'll hear people saying that it started out as a gut Wrenching discipline, and and if any of you have been a Christian for any length of time, you know the first time you put a check in the in the offering basket, uh, for most of us, it just you know it's just gut wrenching. I'm not, I'm not sure I can really afford to let this money go, and 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 some of you are probably still there. As soon as I start talking about money, you're you're like, please don't go there, Russ, don't go there i I don't want to hear one more i don't want to hear anything more about money don't talk about that offering envelope i don't want to hear about it you you just have this resistance right and then at some point you're you're like well jesus died for me i guess i can give him a dollar and you know and you're just you finally get to that point where you just kind of cross the threshold right and and your story just like mine will probably be about when you developed a rich prayer life and when you learned to consistently give. Jesus talked a lot about these two things. And today when we turn to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read about the teaching of Jesus on these topics. And and he teaches about some other private disciplines as well that we're not going to spend a lot of time on. But what we're going to see Jesus say is essentially this. We're going to see Jesus say, private disciplines grow your faith. Now, those aren't the words of Jesus I'm summarizing here. But uh, you're going to see today that the teaching of Jesus is very clear that private disciplines grow your faith. It's not about seeing a need and meeting the need. It's about growing your faith through the private disciplines that Jesus calls us to exercise it. And, and uh, I want you to pay attention to something today. Some of you are going to feel a great deal of resistance as I teach today, especially the part about money. You're, you're going you're gonna to be throwing up all kinds of red flags today, okay? I want you to pay attention to those red flags and ask yourself the question, what am I resisting? Because I think it's quite possible that God wants your faith to grow through the exercise of private disciplines. And here's what I'll say to you. Faith is like a muscle. How many of you have ever gone to the gym and worked out with weights? Okay. Uh, You know what I'm talking about. Uh, When you're building muscle, what do you do? You work your muscle over and over and over and over until it's what? Completely fatigued. And what we know about people that study exercise science, they'll tell you that what happens is you begin to tear the fibers of that muscle by exercising it. You're actually injuring yourself. And what happens is the muscle will rebuild and it will get bigger. You will get stronger. You can lift more. And faith is just like that. You're going to find in your life that God over a period of time is going to begin tearing you down so that he can build you up and make you stronger and stronger. And stronger, all right? You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and it's just really cool how it works. So I want to take you this morning to Matthew chapter 6. And if you've got your Bibles or, or a fake Bible like I use, uh, you can turn in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start reading the teaching of Jesus right at verse 1. Now, Matthew chapter 6 is right in the middle of, uh, of a teaching passage of Jesus that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And the last couple of messages that I've been teaching on this topic have come from this passage of Scripture that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And what was happening is Jesus had gathered hundreds of his followers together. In fact, there were actually thousands of people in kind of this natural amphitheater. This picture here shows about a dozen people, but it was actually a giant place. Uh, in, in the Holy Land, they actually know exactly where this teaching took place, a cool place where, where Jesus could teach without the aid of a PA system and could be heard by thousands of people. And, and he laid it out, what the kingdom of God following the teaching of Jesus would look like. And we're going to look at a small portion of his teaching in which he talks about private disciplines. Okay, Matthew chapter six. Are you there with me? All right, here we go. Jesus says this, watch out. He says, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. Don't do your good deeds publicly. Now, here he uses the word good deeds. Uh, I, I would say that that's interchangeable for what I'm calling today private disciplines. He's talking about those things that we do on a consistent basis to grow our faith. Private disciplines. Don't do your good deeds publicly. Now, he says, don't do them publicly. Why? Well, because they're private disciplines, okay? And he says this, you will lose the reward from your father in heaven if you do these things publicly. And what Jesus is saying here very clearly is that these are not public things. They're private disciplines. And, and the implication from this very first verse here is that if you do these things that he's going to talk about consistently, your heavenly father is going to see you and he's going to reward you. How many of you like rewards? Okay, I do. Uh, I, I love to be, I especially like to be rewarded by God, right? And as we get into this, some of you are going to say, well, I'm, I, I don't do these things to be rewarded by God. I just do them because they're good to do. And that's really great. I admire your humility. But the reality is, when God sees you practicing these disciplines privately, Jesus says, Your heavenly Father rewards you. It's really cool. Verse 2 He says, Now, when you give to someone in need, this is now the first private discipline that he is addressing. When you give to somebody, Who's in need, and and now I want to be very clear. Jesus wasn't referring here to the tithe. Okay, he was talking about giving uh, money to somebody that has a very visible need over and above the regular giving that Jews would practice. That we call the tithe. If you're not familiar with tithing, it's the it's the principle in the Bible in which the Jews would give ten percent of their income. Jesus taught that Christians also should give 10% of their income and and, and in, in Jesus's day kind of interesting history shows us that the Jews actually were tithing anywhere from between 10 and 18% of their income and that was going to support the temple in fact they considered it a tax they called it the temple tax and uh and, and, and some people didn't like doing it very well. But it was expected that every good observant Jew would give that portion of their income to the temple. Jesus says, when you give to someone in need, not the, the, the tithe, he says this, don't do as the hypocrites do. And here's what they do, the hypocrites. They're blowing trumpets in the synagogue And they're blowing trumpets in the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. Why why are they calling attention to their acts of charity? They want to be seen. They want to be honored by the people who see them. Here's what Jesus says. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward that they will ever get. Okay, now isn't that interesting? Here Jesus talks again about reward. Evidently, when you give to someone who, who is in need, when you are a disciplined giver, when this is a part of your private discipline, there's a reward that comes with giving. but jesus says if if this is something that you do publicly, if you make a big deal about it, uh, that it's all the reward." you're going to get. So I would strongly discourage you later on today when we pass the offering baskets that you don't elbow your neighbor and wave your $500 check in their face, okay? That that would be something Jesus would say, do not do that, okay? You don't want you don't want to draw attention to your generosity because if everybody knows how great you are, you you know, if we start putting little plaques on the chairs, this This chair was given by Colt Fredrickson, okay? Uh, That that would be, then all Colt would get would be the admiration of everybody that knew he had a plaque on his chair, right? Uh, And that's what Jesus was saying. This is not something to be done publicly, but there is a reward. Look at verse three. Jesus says, when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Some of you didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Those are the words of Jesus. Verse four says, give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Your father who sees you in private will reward you. Now it's interesting, Jesus doesn't say exactly what the reward is, but in this context, It's clearly some sort of honor. Over and over and over, Jesus talks about being honored by men or being honored by God. And when we give in private, Jesus says, you are going to be rewarded by your father in heaven. Now, here's a question that I want to pose to each one of you today. What if you really believed these words of Jesus? What if you really believed these words of Jesus? I would argue that the reason that all of us are not more generous is because we don't really believe what Jesus teaches in terms of generosity. And and my premise to you today is this. I don't think that for most of us, it's a budget thing. I think it's a faith thing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Most of us really if you really evaluate your budget, most of us can afford to give a whole lot more than we do, and it's not about the budget it's about our faith. Let me illustrate it this way uh, every one of us in this room and and whether you're a christian or not you you might even be from some other faith group, okay but if you have any sort of faith at all in any kind of a deity, all of us and, and I would extend this even to our broader culture, all of us have Perfect faith for everything that happens after we die. Think about it, right? We are all banking on the hope or the faith that when we die we're going to be we're going to be escorted into heaven we're going to stand before God and for those of us that are Christians we're going to say to the Lord I put my faith in Jesus and we trust that we are going to spend eternity in heaven and if you're from some other faith group you're probably banking that whatever your faith system is when you die Whoever you trust in is going to make sure that you are taken care of after death. Every one of us has perfect faith for what happens to us after we die. But the reason why our faith is so perfect for that is because we don't have any choice. Right? There's nothing else to do. I, I, I can't ensure, there's nothing I can do to ensure that I, other than trusting in God. Right? We don't have any choice. But the truth is this. In this life, what all of us trust in more than anything else is money. You know what I'm saying? More than anything else, what we trust in is money. But I want to throw this out to you. If the God who controls your eternal destiny wants you to trust him now, doesn't it make sense that he would mess with what you trust in most now? In in other words, if God, who's going to escort you into heaven, wants you to trust him a lot now, doesn't it make sense he's going to start messing with your checkbook? Because more than anything else, that's what you trust in. Now, I, I, I can't speak for you. I'm just kind of postulating this today. But I know that for me and Chris, money is a really big deal. When we got married, I'm one of those guys, I love numbers, I love data. And and before we got married, I had spreadsheets and I knew exactly where all my money went. And then I got Quicken and that was really cool geek stuff. And so when we got married, I told Chris, you know, I've already got this all set up and, and I'll make sure that I do all the budgeting, I'll pay all the bills, this will be my responsibility. And about two or three years into our marriage, Chris is like, I... I just don't know. I don't know if we have money. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can buy four rolls of toilet paper. I, you know, I, she's just stressed out all the time because she had no idea what was in our checkbook. And, 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 and I knew that we always had enough and, and, and as, as our life got busier and more hectic, what was happening is quite often I would go weeks or even months without balancing the checkbook. I'd take a look at, at our balance in, in the uh, online, and I'd see we've got plenty of money. I just wouldn't worry about it. Chris is just freaking out. I don't know if we have any money. And so we made the, the purposeful decision for her to become the family bookkeeper because she just needs to know exactly where every dollar goes. And money is a big source of security for her. It's a big source of security for me too. But listen, if God wants to grow our faith, doesn't it make sense that he's gonna start messing with the checkbook? It's true for us and it's probably true for you. And listen, this is why Chris and I have made the purposeful decision to be a percentage giver. Every single paycheck, we give away a percentage of, of our income. We give a percentage to Connect Church. We give a percentage to our network of pastors that that cares for me spiritually. We give a percentage to missionaries. And it's a it's a private discipline for us. And every year we try to give more and more and more of our money away because it's something that we have come remember when I said that sometimes disciplines will become habits and they'll become lifestyles, even addictions we've come to the point where we love to give money away some of you (laughs) that wasn't the, the the response i was expecting but um we we really do we love to give money away and uh when we see a need we want to meet it and 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 it's just become a lifestyle for us and many of you would say it's become a lifestyle for you too And uh, we have found that the more we give, the more God trusts us with. And it's a joyful thing for us to be able to give and give and give. It's a private discipline that God has rewarded in our lives. Now, Jesus goes on to give us a second example of a private discipline. So all of you that are sweating bullets and are hating this talk that I'm giving you today, you can relax because we're going on to the second one. Warning, it doesn't get any easier. Okay, Uh, verse five. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the corners and the synagogues where everyone can see them. Now here, Jesus is picking on, before he picked on our, our, our money, right? That we trust in so deeply. Now he's turning to something else that's hard for us to give up. Time. Jesus is talking now about time. He says the hypocrites love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them and and look at this language. It's very similar to when he was talking about money. He says, I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Again, this this talking about reward. Verse 6, but when you pray, and notice he doesn't say if you pray, He's assuming that we will pray, right? When you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. And then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, here's what I want you to know about about prayer. This is important to God because time is your most valuable asset. You may feel like money is your most valuable asset. Uh, I said earlier, we all trust in money more than anything else, and I, I do think that's true. But if we're really thoughtful, we realize time is our most valuable asset. You and I only have so much time in our lifetime, and we can't control how much time we can't go get a new job to earn more time. Right? There's nothing we can do. It's a fixed amount of time that every one of us has in our lives. And and the hard part about time is we don't know when that time comes to an end. It's our most valuable asset. And what Jesus says is when you give a portion of your time to the Lord in private, in secret, God sees you and he will reward you. What's the reward? I'm not really sure. Jesus doesn't define what the reward is. But people who love to pray and people who have put this discipline into their lives, they spend time with God in prayer every single day will tell you that one of the rewards is, is not that every prayer that they pray is answered. But they'll tell you that when they come out of their prayer closet or I have a prayer chair, uh, when when we walk away from that place of time with God, we have this deep assurance that everything we're going to face today is going to be faced with the presence of God, with me. The reward is knowing that God is with me. Do you get it? And and it's incredibly valuable. And, of course, there's, there's other rewards as well that I'm sure all of us could share about, those of us that spend time praying daily. But this is what's cool. Here's an opportunity for you and I to do something proactively that will build our faith. When I'm talking about these five things, you've probably noticed that most of those things are things God does himself sovereignly you and I can't do a providential relationship because by definition, providential means God brings somebody into my life that changes everything for me. And really private disciplines are the only things that we can do specifically ourselves that will grow our faith. We can be proactive. And so when we give, when we pray, we are on purpose doing things. We're sowing the seeds that will result in more confidence in God with that deep assurance that God is with me, that God provides for me, that God takes care of me. And if you really want your faith to grow, these are some of the things that are indispensable for developing that that mind-boggling assurance that God is always faithful. Jesus goes on, and if you've got your Bibles open, you can scan down it. Jesus goes on to talk about a third private discipline that I'm not going to go into today, but it's the discipline of fasting. Okay, isn't it interesting how Jesus just picks on the things that are most important to us, okay? Money, time, food. Really, Jesus? Uh, (laughs) I'll I'll let you read the part about fasting, okay? Uh, I I don't want to teach on it because I'll be a horrible hypocrite when we get there, okay? private disciplines let me throw out a challenge to you today and and let me tell you quite honestly the lord is challenging me very deeply on these private disciplines thing so uh this is to me as well as to you here's the challenge i want to challenge you to give god your first few minutes and your first few dollars Give God your first few minutes and your first few dollars now I know most of us don't jump out of bed happy and holy okay uh, some people do um, but I still nonetheless i want I want to challenge you to give God your first few minutes every day um, i 'll I'll be honest with you this one is hard for me. Uh, Chris gets up most most mornings. She gets up ahead of me, and and she takes her shower. And, and by the time that she's dressed and she has her makeup on, you know, I'm still laying in bed fighting for consciousness, you know. And she'll usually come in and she'll say, "Did you call so and so? I noticed they weren't in church on Sunday. And what about this? And and we got to remember to call this person. And then we got dinner on. And I'm like, no, nah! you know. And I'm struggling to find words in English, you know, at that. And and for whatever reason, Jesus, Chris just pops out of bed, happy, and and she's ready. to I'm not like that. But there's a there's a principle here. Give God the first few minutes of your day. Why? Because you don't know what's ahead of you in your day. If you wait until the end of the day to try to spend a little bit of time with God, most of the time it just doesn't happen. Can you give God your first few minutes? Can you, can you give God your first few minutes and your first few dollars? I, I want to encourage you to be a percentage giver instead of a random giver, okay? There, there's two types of givers. Some people are needs givers. They see a need and they, they fill the need. And, and some people are priority givers. If you really want to grow in your faith, I think it's a good discipline to give God a percentage of your income every week or every month, depending on how you're paid. But, but you make that a priority in your life. Because that way there's consistency in that building of your faith. And if you're not a giver, if you're not a percentage giver yet, let me just throw this this challenge out to you. Give God your first few minutes and your first few dollars and test it for a period of time. I would suggest to you that you pick a percentage. Okay, The the Bible says that Christians ought to give 10%, but if you're not there yet, pick a percentage and, and test God. Okay, now you might go, whoa, but the Bible says you can test him in this. Pick a percentage, pick a time frame, say 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever it is, and and try it. Make giving a priority in your life and test him and see what happens in your life spiritually. I want to challenge you, give God your first few minutes and your first few dollars and see if your faith doesn't start spiking. Because this is one of the things that God uses to grow your faith. And then if you, if you keep reading in Matthew chapter 6, you might be inclined to give God your first few bites of food. I don't know. That might be something I need to do. But can we choose to give God first? What do you think? Good idea? I want to guarantee you that if you'll try it, these disciplines will move from being those things that you grit your teeth and and, and is difficult to do. They will become habits in your life. They will become lifestyles in your life. And pretty soon you'll be be saying, I can't walk out of the door without giving God some time in the morning because I don't want to walk out the door without the presence of God in my life. They'll become a joyful part of your lifestyle. And what Jesus said is your heavenly father who sees you in private will reward you openly i can't promise you exactly what the reward is going to be in your life but i will tell you this your faith your confidence in god your assurance that god has your life in the palm of his hand will grow as you give him the things that compete most with your trust in him you hear what i'm saying all right let's do it to you put your things aside and stand with me claudia started clapping Thank you, Claudia. That's awesome. Why were you clapping? Oh, she's offering me her three cats. That's not giving. (laughs) That's like cursing. (laughs) I know the truth. You're a giver and you're a prayer. And uh, you know the blessing that God has poured out in your life. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, so often when I really study your teaching, it it just feels like a punch in the gut because I know that I have so far to go. And yet, Lord, in in the core of my being, I know that what you say is true. And there are lives in this room that affirm that your teaching is true. And Lord, every one of us wants to be under the blessing of God. We want to experience the rewards of God. And so I want to pray, Lord, for myself and for every person in this room, Lord, that uh, if we are being challenged in a specific area, giving or, or praying, giving of our resources, giving of our time, and Lord, even in that discipline that is so hard for many of us, fasting, Lord, that you will help us to be obedient, not for not for public accolades, but so that we can experience the rich rewards of our Heavenly Father. So help us, Lord, we pray. If you'll just keep your heads bowed this morning, uh, I, I would like to give you an invitation this morning. Uh, there's There's many of you here today that I don't know, and we're so glad if you're a guest with us today. Uh, And and I would just love to have the opportunity to pray with you today. If you're here and you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus, you haven't said yes to the forgiveness that Jesus offers, I would love nothing more than to pray with you this morning. And I'm not gonna ask you to come up here to the front or embarrass you in any way, but if, uh, if you just wanna pray with the rest of us for the forgiveness of sins, uh, we would love to do that with you. So, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask everybody to pray a prayer out loud, repeat it after me. And this morning, if you need the forgiveness of Jesus, if you need new life in Jesus, I hope you will pray this from the deepest place uh, of your soul today. So, would you all pray with me this morning out loud? Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for loving me. I know that I need your forgiveness. I'm asking you to wash me clean and, and bring me back to God today. I know that I have sinned. I've been rebellious. I have made big mistakes. But I trust you today, Jesus, to change me from the inside. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, uh, I want to invite you to mark that on your card that you've made a decision to follow Christ. And a member of our team will uh, help you. uh, They'll they'll contact you and help you with some next steps in what it means to follow Jesus. And we would love to be able to help you in that way. Uh, Later on in in a couple of hours, we're going to be baptizing people. That's one of the first steps that people take when they uh, come to Jesus. And that's so exciting. I hope you all will come back for that uh it's going to be a good day today so um we're going to sing are, are what are you doing um what song are you doing ben whom shall i fear perfect song for today different okay i don't care giving is fearful right i, I want you to i want you to sing this song listen to the words And let God make you courageous, okay? And then when we're done singing, we're gonna pass the offering baskets and we'll let you go. But before we do that, I just want you to sing this song of affirmation that you can trust God, all right?